you can't do this alone. No, I'm not insulting your capabilities. I'm being real with you because I don't want you to be held back by the glass ceiling created by ignoring the people side of your business. I've been in the trenches helping entrepreneurs navigate all those, oh shit, I'm the boss now moments. You know, the ones where you realize you're the one in charge, you're the adult in the room, but you're not in this alone. I hope this show convinces you of the dormant power of your team. Welcome to the podcast free of stuffy corporate jargon. After all, your business doesn't come with the bullshit red tape of a Fortune 500 company. Here, you'll be encouraged and motivated to test, try, fail, and fix fast. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you'll feel seen and heard. Most importantly, you'll walk away with the tools you need to pour into your team and build a thriving culture that opens up the door to the scale your business deserves. Hello and welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I am your host, Jackie Coke. Every once in a while I like to say my last name because I feel like it throws everyone off on how to say it, but it's Coke like the soda. Anyways, welcome back to the show. So excited to have you here. Today we are giving you five tips for retaining your best team members. And I gotta say, every leader I know, myself included, has had moments when all of a sudden, one of your top performers gives notice and you're completely blindsided because you thought they were happy and you thought things were going good. And now all of a sudden they're giving you notice and you're like, how, why, what happened here? Um, there were no signs that at least you noticed um, to indicate that they might be looking for a new job or ready to leave or, or a bit unhappy. And I'm here to tell you, that even if your best employees are not actively looking for a job, meaning, you know, they're not on job boards, seeing jobs that are posted or on LinkedIn, looking at open jobs, you know, they're going to see them pop up. Like they pop up everywhere. They're in inboxes, they're on social media, like they're, the advertisements are going to pop up. And that is what they're meant to do is be advertisements to be like, oh, Maybe I should take a look at this, right? So they're going to see them and some are going to catch their eye. It's also very, very likely that these people are getting emails and LinkedIn messages from people like me. I hate to say it, but I do this all day long, every day, maybe not all day long, but every day, pretty much. I'm looking for people on LinkedIn and other social media sites who have the experience and background I need to fill a job for one of my clients. And so I'm reaching out to them and I'm being like, Hey, I know you don't know about this opening, but I think it could be interesting for you. Want to take a look? And sometimes we catch them at the right time. Sometimes it's like, Ooh, this does seem like a, like sometimes it's because it's a brand. They're really interested. Other times it's because I'm having a shitty day or they're having a shitty day and I happen to come across their inbox in a moment of weakness and they listen. And so there are things that happen that even, so I guess my point in telling you that is just to, to really make you realize that just because somebody is not actively applying for jobs doesn't mean they're not aware of the ones that are out there. And I read a quote from Rich Lesser and it said, you hire the best people you can find, and then it's up to you to create an environment 
where great people decide to stay and invest their time. And one thing that's not in this quote, but I think is so important, it's continue to decide to stay, continue to invest their time. Like you're trying to get their buy-in all of the time and remind them of why you're a great place to be. And honestly, just be a great place to be where people are like, you know what? I'm really happy here, actually. I don't really need to look elsewhere or, or better yet, they will go into an interview, right? Cause I catch their eye. They meet with me and they're like, you know, this doesn't seem that much better or, or worth leaving a great place for. That is the goal that you want to create in your environment, in your, your company. And you've likely heard it before, but, um, people leave bosses, not companies for the most part. Um, most of the time people leave their bosses or direct leadership. It doesn't even have to be your boss. It could be the senior leadership of a company, not the actual company itself. Um, and the biggest hack you can do for retaining talent isn't to pay the most or offer the most benefits or the most paid time off. It's to become a great boss. And if you're listening to this show, my hope is that you've committed and you want to be a good boss. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to this type of a show. Um, great managers are built. They're not born. And hopefully by now, you know that from listening to the show. is like being a good boss and being a good leader is a skill that takes intentional development. And every person that I know, myself included, has times when I suck at being a boss. Like there's times where I just am not great. I can think of a lot of times where I sucked at it, but I started somewhere and I, and I'm learning and I'm continuing to grow and evolve. And that is really the first tip to retaining your best employees is to commit to doing the work of learning how to be a great boss. It takes commitment and continuous learning and practice. And if you don't care about this one, you have no chance or respect or, or chance of getting the respect loyalty or trust from your team. Like I can tell you about an example of a place that I worked where the CEO was so uninterested in being a good leader. He did not care. And he had raised a shit ton of money and we had a big team and he did not care about being a boss. He was unwilling to change his behavior I think in general, he was a pretty nice guy, to be honest, like cared a bit, but he got so caught up in everything that when push came to sell, shove, he fell back to his old habits and he didn't really care about being a good boss at the end of the day. He was just in it to make money, sell the company off and like be on with it. Um, he wasn't looking to build a company of great people. And I can tell you, I tried so hard. I bought him two different books because there was books I would listen to because I've been listening to this kind of stuff for a very long time. And I remember buying him two books that I thought he would love or at least consider reading. And they sat on his desk in the exact spot I went and put them on for three years, you guys. Okay. That's an exaggeration. I didn't work there for three years, but for like at least a year. He, they sat in the exact same spot on his desk in a pile. Like he didn't even have, like, it was just insane to me. So it, so I guess my point is at that moment, like when I realized that I kind of, I, I just like stopped giving a shit. 
Like I was like, you know what? He doesn't care. Why should I care more? Like, why should I care more about his company than he does about his people more than he does? And I obviously did. But um, I guess my point in hammering that home is like the first tip is to commit to doing the work of learning how to be a great boss. That means reading books, listening to podcasts, going to events, hiring coaches, investing in it, and really learning how to be a good boss. And then not only learning, but testing the things that you're learning, implementing them, even when it's fucking scary, like even when it feels uncomfortable, even if you feel dumb that you don't know how to do it, try it and be vulnerable and be like, Hey, I want to test some of these things out and do it because you will get so much more respect and loyalty from your team when they see you practicing what you preach. So first, most important tip, if you are unwilling to do that, you can stop listening to the rest of this, this episode because it's pointless. All of these other things are pointless. If you're unwilling to commit to being a good boss and learning how to do it and changing your behavior. So, okay. End of rant. Um, second tip, have effective one-on-ones. You hear this all of the time from me on the show. If you listen to it all the time and you're probably rolling your eyes because you're like, I hate one-on-ones. They're not working. Well, that's because you're not doing them right. So you need to have one-on-ones with your team. Every great boss I know is meeting with their employees regularly to get to know them as humans, help them develop as people, give them hard feedback receive hard feedback from them. Like it's critical that you're doing this and you're having real conversations and not just running down a task list. Um, and you have to be excited about the one-on-ones. You can't just do it because that's what I'm telling you to do. You need to be excited, understand the value of it and, and truly be on board because your team members will know when you're just going through the motions and don't really care because you're showing up unprepared, you're canceling, you're saying how busy you are. You're making it very obvious that it's an inconvenience to meet with them. Like this should be the most important meetings on your calendars. And it should not seem like you're just trying to fit them in. And if it is, that's a problem. So you need to make sure you're doing these with your team. And you determine the cadence and then keep it on the books. Like maybe you don't need to do them every week. Maybe you don't need to, maybe it's once a month. You decide what's best with your teammate, but you want to make sure that they are feeling supported. And this is where you learn how you can better support them, what they need, what their goals are. They practice giving you hard feedback. You practice giving them hard feedback. This is where you build a relationship. And when you have a relationship, you have trust. And when you have trust, you have loyalty and you have people who want to stay and work for you because you, they know that you care about them. So you need to have effective one-on-ones. And if you're having them right now and they suck, that's fine. You have an opportunity to change them and be like, Hey, I want to test out some new stuff in our one-on-ones. I want to become a better boss for you. And I would love to test this out. Can we try it? Can we do it? And, and just be real and honest with your team. And if you do have a team that maybe you have like hourly workforce, you know, you work in a salon or a retail store, you're probably not going to have one-on-ones quite as frequently, but at least try to do them like quarterly or at least do check-ins and just be like, Hey, want to go grab a coffee at the beginning of your shift next time? Um, and just like ask how they're doing. Like you can still do this stuff. Um, it might not be as formal as like in a corporate or 
um, you know, type of an environment, but you can still definitely figure out ways to, to work them in. And it, another thing I would say, if you do have an hourly workforce like that, make sure you're having team meetings, do them monthly, like all staff meetings and work in some development activities into them and, um, work those into them. We did them at Lululemon all the time where we'd have a staff meeting every month. We'd talk about how we were doing for numbers. We'd talk about new products that are coming out. We would have some of the team members learn all about the new products and then educate the rest of the team on it. And then we would do some sort of goal setting, personal development exercise. We would have a workshop on feedback. Like we would do something. And we did, did that every single month. So that's only 12. It's only 12 meetings you got to plan. It's not that much. So that is the second tip is have effective one-on-ones. I gave you a little extra with that team meetings pro tips. Tip three, you need to give more praise than you're doing right now and that you think is needed. If you're someone who forgets like the majority of us, put reminders on your phone to give compliments and praise daily or weekly um, and make sure you're doing it to different members of the team. Um, obviously you want to make sure you're only praising people who actually deserve it and make sure it's genuine. If you, if you're praising people who are not doing a great job, the rest of the team is going to see it's going to feel fake. So make sure it's genuine and that it's deserved, but make sure, Oh, another reason to only praise people who deserve it is that people pay attention. And so somebody's going to be like, Oh, they're getting praised for this all the time. Maybe I should do that right? And so you want to make sure you're praising people more often than you want to get and get to know how they feel recognized. I have a whole podcast where we go over all of this, um, where we talk about the five languages of appreciation at work, do that together and learn how people want to be recognized and make sure that you're doing it in that way, in the way that helps them the most. Um, it's going to take some intention for you to change some behaviors and habits, but it's worth it. I promise you. Um, and it's going to spill over into your personal life too. Like if you get good at giving compliments and showing people gratitude at work, the rest of the people in your life are going to really, really love you because you're going to start doing it there too. And guess what? It feels good to give praise. It helps your brain. Research actually shows it helps your brain when you give gratitude and praise. Research from Gallup also shows that praise or recognition for good work increases revenue and productivity by 10 to 20%. So why would you not find time to do that? So approach it like a skill or a habit you need to develop or even gamify it. So you remember, like maybe you're like, okay, I'm on a goal to find 10 things this week that I can praise someone, praise people for, right? Make it a goal and then have a check off, like do something. So you remember, um, and there's a really great company with a really great blog called um, Lighthouse has a great blog and they offer three great times to or three great things to remember on how to give feedback. So it's basically provide it frequently, make it specific and be strategic about it. So making it frequent or giving it frequently means you're praising your team regularly and giving them both positive and constructive feedback. It's critical. Your team, if you don't, if you're not doing this, your team is going to make up stories about how you view their work and they're going to make up worst case scenarios more often than you actually think or that you'd like them to. So if you're not giving them positive feedback, which let's be honest, I don't know the percentage, but it's a very high percentage of high performers never get feedback because you assume that they know that they're doing a great job. 
But if you want to retain your good employees, you got to tell them and you got to be, it's got to be really annoying, to be honest. Like it's got to be more than you want to. And maybe it doesn't have to be annoying. Maybe that was an exaggeration, but sometimes it's going to feel like, oh, I got to do this again. Um, and, and, and the more you do it, the more you're going to stop thinking that, but at first it might feel that way. Um, so praise gives your team members more information so that they know where they stand and how you feel about their work as their boss, your opinion matters. And the team is constantly looking to you for information, clues, body language, whatever it is to, to get some indication of where they stand. It's just how it is. And it's just how humans are operated. So you got to start doing it a lot more frequently. Um, I actually was reminded of some fun science, um, that negative, or I guess there were some like studies. Um, I wish I could remember the studies, but negative comments actually last longer in our brains than positive ones. Isn't that sad that we remember negative stuff way more frequently and for longer than negative or than positive ones? So sad as humans. That's just insane. But that means that you need to give, you need to receive about six times more positive praise than negative ones to make up for it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So I'm going to repeat that. You, and, and what the, I'm also going to like, I'm going to repeat it and then I'm going to say how that applies to this conversation. Us as humans need to receive six times more positive comments to counterbalance one negative comment. So that means that you should be giving your high performers six times as much praise as criticism. And are you doing that? Probably not. I don't do that. I give a lot more negative feedback than, than positive feedback. I'm a lot more critical than I am like cheerleader. That It takes a lot of, lot of, lot of effort for me to remember to do that. Um, and I'm sure, I bet you're the same way. So if you're thinking highly of someone on your team, you need to go out of your way to make sure that they know it, like way out of your way. Um, and it actually, like I said, expressing gratitude changes your brain as well. So the more, like, and you hear about this all the time because you think of gratitude journals, all of this stuff, the same applies to this. So the better you get at it, the more you do it, the better you're going to be at it. And it's going to help all of you. It's going to help the business. We already heard 10 to 20% better productivity. So, so that's frequency specific. You can't get away with just saying like, Oh, good job today. Like I really appreciated you today. You can do that once in a while. It's nice to hear that, but you want to make sure the bulk of the praise that you're giving is specific and happens as quickly and as timely as possible. So if you notice something great on a meeting, they lead literally call them immediately after the meeting and be like, Hey, I noticed how you handled XYZ objections super, super well. Like that was, that was really great how you provided XYZ or, Hey, I really loved how you set up the agenda for the call today. And you kept everybody on track. Like that really helped the meeting be, be more effective and really showed that you are a leader on that, uh, on that project. Something like that. Do it right away. That is praise. Acknowledging specifically what they did will help them build the habit of repeating that and will also show that you're paying attention to what they do as a boss because we've heard that before. It matters. Um, you want to also, one thing I will say is if you can get into the habit of praising in public and critiquing in private, that is going to be great um, for your for you. Now, 
if it's a small, you'll, you should probably, you'll get to the point where you can feel this out, where if you can, sometimes giving criticism in public can be helpful in that the rest of the team is going to, especially if you're like having a employee that is underperforming, everybody knows and it's negatively impacting the team. You don't want to like call this person out and publicly shame them. But if you do give a little bit of feedback here and there, they're going to be like, okay, great. They called them out on being late to meetings all the time. Or great, they called them out. Like there's certain things you can call out in front of a team that the team will appreciate. And they're going to be like, oh, I got to make sure I'm on time. I can't be late. I don't want that to happen to me. So there's certain things. Now saying like your grammar is terrible. You need to pay better attention. Um, Or the way you set up that presentation is awful. Like did you not even look at it? That is not something good to do in in public. I mean, it's probably not a good thing to say to somebody in general, but hopefully you get my job. So the, so the last one is a bit, um, a bit, takes a little bit more finessing and effort and you're just going to like figure this out as you go, but that's making sure that you use feedback as strategy and being strategic about how you give it. And I think there's a, it's, it's definitely like a gem. And, and this is again, quoting from the lighthouse blog. And it's use praise to develop your people. So work with your team to develop, uh, to create development plans and things that they want to work on. And anytime you see them making an improvement around an area that they're working on, make sure you praise them for that thing specifically. So help them to see how XYZ is going to help them develop ABC, right? For example, Let's say you want someone on your team to develop their leadership skills and you notice that they, oh, I already used this, but whatever, you'll, you'll, you'll get this. Um, you want them to develop their leadership skills and you notice that they come prepared with a great agenda for a meeting, sent things out ahead of time for the team to, re- to review, led the meeting, kept everyone on track, and then sent follow-up items afterwards on, on who's supposed to do what. Like explain to them how doing all of those things is helping them in becoming a better leader. Like why did sending agenda early help out? Why did sending a follow-up? Why was that helpful? And, 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 and praise them on that. Um, because then they're going to be like, oh, that's all stuff that goes into becoming a better leader, right? So that's how you can start to use feedback as a strategy and praise as a strategy to help people develop. So that was all tip three. tip four is to pay competitively. I got to put this in here because paying your team competitive, you, you need to pay your team as competitively as you can. Make sure you're looking at industry and role specific benchmarks. Salary.com is actually a pretty good free tool. Um, if you have a larger team, you can purchase a premium membership and get access to that data. So you can see where you are to market and do your best to pay people in those ranges and set up ranges. Um, you know, so that, and for yourself, like look at the different levels of jobs and decide what you're going to be able to pay and look at your own finances and determine it accordingly. Do the best you can to pay in some of these ranges. If you're a small business, you know, less than 30 employees, don't try to compete with fortune 500, but see if you can find where some of these other small businesses are falling in and pay in line with those. Um, if cash is a concern, Maybe you could set up a bonus or a revenue share or some sort of, you know, type of a commission type structure so that they get a percentage of revenue or business that comes in or net income at the end of the year. Like having them be tied to how the company does and explaining how their work impacts the bottom line is going to help so much. 
So you definitely want to pay competitively and you can get creative on benefits. Like if you can't offer medical plans, although you probably can and just don't know it, I have a whole episode on how to do benefits. Um, but let's say you can't offer medical plans. Maybe you can give them a $300 stipend a month to help cover some of the cost of benefits, Three, a $500 stipend a month. Um, you could pay for other things. Um, this is something that I think is such an amazing option that you can do that's so underlooked at. And, but it's maybe you can offer other things that make your team life easier, like a house cleaner, meal prep, fitness memberships. These are all things that are relatively low cost that your team would find so much value in. If you pay for a house cleaner to go to their house every other week, that's 400 bucks a month or however much it is. Maybe you, you know, there's a lot of meal kit deliveries or, or prepped food deliveries. Maybe you say, hey, I'll give you 200 bucks a month towards meal prep. Like that's amazing. But ask them what they would find the most value in and what would be the most impactful in their life. Um, a lot of those things are seen are, are luxuries that people don't pay for, but the amount the the value versus cost is so high. So get creative on those things. And then the last tip is to invest in their growth. A study done by LinkedIn showed that 94% of employees would stay at their company longer if, if the company invested in helping them learn and grow. This doesn't have to be tuition and reimbursement or anything like that. There are so many ways for you to develop new, to help for all of us actually, to develop new skills. We have the internet, there's online courses, there's so many things. So what if you bought them an online course, bought, like paid for them to go to a certification, pay for them to be a part of different mastermind groups or networking groups? Like these are things that can like really, really impact um, your team. There's now more and more and more groups out there for different industry specific, like there's HR um programs I could not programs, but like mastermind groups that I could join. Um, there's digital marketing groups that you could have your team join. Like there's stuff you could pay for that would really not only help them develop new skills, but the stuff that they're learning is going to help your business and the people they're meeting may, you know, impact your business. So it's a win-win and doubling down on those tactics will on all of these tactics, all five of these tactics will help you retain your incredible team members. If and when it becomes time for them to move on, by doing the five tips that I just shared, you will likely have built the rapport and trust where you can walk through the decision together. So you're not just blindsided with a two weeks notice. You'll you'll know like, hey, so-and-so wants to move into another job. We're not going to be able to support that here. How can I help them in finding a new job and how can they help in this transition? the more rapport and better relationship you have, when those folks move on, they're going to feel like they want to support you in the process. And you want to make sure they're less likely to leave when you're doing all the five tips that we just talked about, but they're, they're more likely to help make it a smooth transition if you do all of those things as well. And so I always say you want to look at your business like a university. You want people to be better because they worked for you and you're, you want people to move on and do better things sometimes, a lot of the times. And so creating a culture of trust, respect, open communication, all of the stuff that we talked about will allow you to navigate these moments in ways that support your business and your team. And you're going to help create better 
places for people to work so that it has the ripple effect into their personal life, helps them grow, helps them go to their next place, knowing what a great place looked like so that they can help to improve the next place they go. So it's all a cycle. And so be a university, be someone that creates greatness for places to work and develops people. So those are my five tips for how to retain your best employees. Most important, commit to becoming a boss, a good one, learning the skills. Tip two, have effective one-on-ones. Tip three, give a hell of a lot more praise than you are right now. Tip four, pay competitively. And tip five, invest in their growth. So thanks for tuning into this week's show. Um, Go back to the archives and find some of the episodes where we dive deeper into each of these things. There's quite a few out there. And by doing this, you are going to have a much higher likelihood of retaining some of your best employees. So for now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and good luck on this entrepreneurship journey. I'm on it with you. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster out there, folks. We'll talk soon. If you're over there wondering, oh shit, I don't know where to start with building a team or how to hire. I've got you covered. I created a course specifically so you can learn everything I've learned and continue to invest time in improving about setting up your hiring machine. You can enroll and start today at hiringschool.com. P.S. This is the process leading startups are using to scale their teams and we're teaching it to you.